The word cloud is often uttered up in an almost reverent tone by anyone even tangentially affiliated with the IT world. A big reason for this is because cloud computing has been a tremendous boon for all manner of institutions. Getting away from on-prem servers has reduced costs and increased the speed at which organizations operate, as well as the amount of data and applications that can be used to add value. But there is a tremendous amount of complexity in the cloud. With so many developers working in the cloud, there are also many potential access points and therefore security vulnerabilities. Ami Lutwak, the co-founder and CTO of Wiz, explains how cloud complexity increases risk to security. The cloud is amazing, but there is a problem. <laughs> the problem is that you move so fast, you, you have so many services, right? There's so much complexity in the cloud. And security, and I would say even threats, they always come from complexity. That's what attackers look like. They look for complexity. They like complexity. Complexity is where the attacker finds ways to go in. What's happening right now is that it's exploding. It's just exploding in organizations. And the problem is that security teams, they don't have the knowledge, the processes, the tools, the org structure to take control over this explosion. It's so different. It has no relation to on-premise data center security. It's like a new problem, completely new, and it's exploding. They don't want to stop the developers, right? They don't want to say, stop working. But also, they need to find a way to somehow make sure they're not exposed. An out-of-the-box comparison would be if a person had the largest, most complicated walk-in closet ever with a massive amount of secret compartments. And then there are voracious moths in the closet. Some are inside bins already wrecking all the clothes, and others are desperate to get inside to do their damage. The first step is to determine how many storage boxes are actually in the closet. Only then can the risk of each container be evaluated and you can come up with solutions to lessen the adverse effects of the moths. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Am explains how his company, Wiz, is simplifying cloud complexity with its tool that locates databases and then determines their exposure. With this information, developers can make decisions to secure their network. Ami also shares lessons he learned along his career journey that can be applied to other startups. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today we have a special guest. Ami Lutwak is co-founder and CTO of Wiz. If you're not familiar with what Wiz is, it's one of the fastest growing companies, period, in software. And we're excited to have Ami on the show. Ami, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thank you. Really great to be here. All right. Right out the gate. So our audience, if they're not familiar with what Wiz is, tell us what is Wiz and what does it do? So Wiz is a cloud security company. And we're trying to help companies with one of the most pressing and biggest problems in security today, which is how do we have the security team take control and find the critical risks in the cloud? There's so many developers that are developing so many great things in the cloud, but how can we make sure that everything there is actually secure? Yeah. So to help everyone frame up what's happened at the Wiz or Wiz, sorry. I keep saying the Wiz, by the way, because uh, I will put, I'm going to age myself. When I was growing up, there it was a there was a yeah. retail store in America called The Wiz, and it sold like consumer electronics. It was like, people said we would go to The Wiz, but uh, <laughs> but they went out of business because they sold CDs and stuff. So, <laughs> but I mean, for our audience who's not following the news of funding and growth of startups, 
I want to share this piece of information so people can get a frame and idea of what your team is doing. You've been the co-founder and CTO since January of 2020. Yeah. The company has now grown to an amazing number. Recently, a big funding round just happened, $250 million raised. So a $6 billion valuation in less than two years. Yeah. Why? So the problem you solve, you mentioned before, how do I secure all my cloud resources, all my cloud development? I'm sure a lot of our audience members understand this if they're developing the cloud, but some of our audience is still in data center. They haven't started using public clouds yet. Help them understand, why is this such a problem? So cloud, I don't have to explain, right? Cloud is uh, exploding. Cloud is exploding for, because of, of cloud, because it's so great, because of COVID, right? Yep. Everything is moving to the cloud. I mean, it's uh, everything, everyone, governments, uh, uh, infrastructure, companies, like there is basically, you know, banks, financials are moving to the cloud, right? Now, there is a big problem. The, the problem is that the cloud is great. Why is it so great? Because it's moving fast. It allows developers to, to build whatever they want, right? So it's a, the cloud is great because you can move so fast there. Yeah. Take advantage of services without reinventing the wheel. You can leverage existing services very quickly. You don't need to build your own machine learning model. You can leverage some pre-existing and move on. That's the point of the cloud. The cloud is a way for you to not do things your own, yourself, right? That's the cloud. <laughs> yeah. This is really the cloud. That is the point, right? Whatever I can not do myself, I will just give it to the cloud and I will do only what I need to do. This is why it's so amazing. This is, by the way, why a company like us can grow so fast. It, it wouldn't even from a technology perspective to scale to the scale that we have today was not even possible a few years ago without the cloud, right? right. So the cloud is amazing, but there is a problem. <laughs> the problem is that you move so fast, you, you have so many services, right? There's so much complexity in the cloud. And security, and I would say even threats, they always come from complexity, okay? Because that's what attackers look like. They, they look for complexity. They like complexity. Complexity is where the attacker finds ways to go in. Now, what's happening right now is that it's exploding. The car is exploding. It's just exploding in organizations. And the problem is that security teams, they don't have the knowledge, the processes, the tools, the org structure to take control over this explosion. It's uh, so different. It has no relation to on-premise data center security. It's like a new problem, completely new, and it's exploding. They don't want to stop the developers, right? They don't want to say, stop working. Yeah. But also, they need to find a way to somehow make sure they're not exposed. For our audience listening, you know, the traditional way of developing, you would set up a resource, uh, you might build some applications. The data would move between uh, resources, but the resources weren't connected to anywhere public-facing. so you had some levels of security. With what's happening in the cloud today, the way, the way Ami's explaining it is you have tons of services, tons of entry points. Every developer can access its resource natively directly. It used to be, oh, we can only allow it inside of a v VPN. Now that's gone away. You know, people are at their desks. So there's tons of entry points. It really is like a, a chain, right? A chain, all these different links. If every chain link was a, let's say a service or a person, it's now tons of links all interconnected. And that's what it is. And so as Ami suggested, every link is actually an entry point for, let's say, a bad actor. So first of all, that's a great uh, analogy. I might even use it <laughs> in our pitch. Yeah, you're right. Like, again, in the past, in theory, you had a data center 
you owned the data center, right. right? You had one entry point to the data center and you could control it, right? Yeah. Maybe a closed network. Yeah. All my employees enter my closed network as a choke point. So everything moves through these two connection points and that's it. No more choke points. There's no more control. Developers are building cities, you know, they're building cities every day and the cities go up and down. They change, they're agile. They, so every day you can build a new city. What can, how can security know if there's a, a way to hack into one of the buildings? You know, it's like almost an impossible task. Yeah. And with the way the market's moving, right, to the tools to enable developers such as yourself, let's say like the open source dev tools that, you know, like a HashiCorp provides, it's now even becoming more commonplace for development teams to build, let's say, even if it's a test hypothesis, right? Skunkworks project, they're going to set up their own resources. They're going to tap into data pools that might be, you know, very important to your company. And they're able to, like you just said, build a city, spin up an application, plus all its associated necessary services, spin it up, pull it down. And the old way, of course, was, you know, you had to submit like a, a ticket, like a, oh, I have to submit a ticket to IT. Like, hey, can I have a, can I have storage? Like, oh, I got to provision storage. Like, this is a problem, right? That's the old way of doing it. Now I provision my own storage whenever I want to do what I need. Yeah. And also, every team wants to build in the cloud. You know, the marketing team, the marketing team, they're supposed to send emails, right? Why do they have now a a team of developers building their own unique algorithms for marketing, right? Like every team and every company, every business feel they need to build their like unique algorithms, unique code to get advantage. And they want to do it in the cloud, obviously, right? So now it's not even part of, it's like fully decentralized, even within the org, right? Like there's so many different teams. They all want to build in the cloud. How do I know what's what's they're actually doing? How to make sure that like they're actually protected? It's, It's a really hard problem to solve. All right. So we can kind of get this framework and understanding of what is happening in the modern dev workplace. You think about the old way of doing things. If, if we were to use old security principles, you would have a central security team. They'd be getting tickets. They would probably be reconciling their ticket to the new resource spun up and be like, is this a resource? Is this the right person? Checking identity access. There's a lot of steps involved. It doesn't flow fast enough to support what we just described, this agile development. So now the magic question, how does Wiz help secure it all? Because that's true. These things are going to be spun up, spun down. One of your top developers could one day log in uh, let's say from Tel Aviv, the next day they log in from Bali and your, and your tool needs to know that is the right guy, like that guy or that gal can, is allowed to versus is not allowed to. And so we know people are mobile, data is mobile, applications are. So how does Wiz begin to secure it all? Because that's, that's the magic question because I think we've framed up. The problem is clear. <laughs> yeah, and that's the beauty. Like, and the way we look at it, is we, we start from a simple question that you want to answer. For example, do I have an exposed database, right? You, if you look at the news, exposed database, that, that's like number one question. It's a big problem, yeah. The reality is that with existing tools, even answering this question, do I have an exposed database on cloud environments, especially large ones, almost impossible. Why? Yeah. It, maybe it's running on a VM. Maybe it's running on a container. Maybe it's a fast database. Like there's so many different da- types of databases. There's so many different ways to expose it out of it, right? Like it's really complex. So we thought about a way, how can we create a tool that you can deploy in minutes in the cloud native way? So no agents, just a simple hook into the environment and can answer these questions. So what Wiz is doing, Wiz is actually building, a, imagine like a, an analyzer that analyzes your cloud across all of the layers, right? So we analyze exposure map and we have a, a map for that. We analyze the workloads and we go into the workloads we analyze what they're running 
right? So we like, we'd be like a multi-layer map. We put it all on the graph, right? And what WIS is basically doing is it allows you to ask these questions like, do I have a workload running a database that has some kind of exposure? And WIS behind the scenes does all of the complexities. You don't need to be a cloud expert or Kubernetes expert. You, you can just plug it in without any kind of legacy types of deployments. There's no need for agents. It's like a, a single deployment with a one-click setup. And WIS does a very deep analysis of cloud environments and just shows you, you know, hey, this is a critical VM to fix because it's running a vulnerable Apache web server and it has an exposure through this path. And we just show it to you. And then you just go and show the developers you have to fix this. This is fascinating. So one of the questions that we got back in the day when I was working in software development and some of the CIOs and CTOs that have been on the show talk about is like, just let's just start with some simple problems that make this challenging and so that our, our teams, our audience can get a concept of what you're talking about. One of the challenges that they bring up is just like, I don't even know how many resources I have, right? Because of the fact that developers can spin up their own instances, cases. So yeah. you mentioned something as simple as database. Well, how many databases am I running? Most people would be like, I don't really know. Like, I, they, they, they don't actually know. Right. Let's start there. How do you begin to even find all the resources? Because in order for you to see a vulnerability, you have to test all the resources. But if it's not all under one central account, which, you know, as much as companies want to try to control this, they want to be like, hey, everything needs to be built under this account. We already know people will spin up their own accounts uh, very quickly. <laughs> so uh, you're right. And, and again, if you think about it, how many databases do I have, right? It's yeah. what we call an inventory question, right? Which databases do I have? What versions do they have? Are they exposed? These are advanced questions on the inventory. So when we look at it, we, we do the following. We connect into the environments, right? And then we start looking into each of the layers. A database is a, is a concept. It can be an actual SaaS service, a service that you get from the cloud, right? So a managed database. That's one. That's, that's, so we check that. We have a scanner for that. We also, it can be a database that is running on a VM, legacy database. Like it's running on a cluster of VMs. So we scan the VMs themselves and we build that. It can be running as a container. We also scan the containers. So we basically say, forget about how it's running. You don't need to care. We understand all of the ways to run computing the cloud. We analyze all of them. And we for you build for you a model. And you can ask a question like a database, and we'll be connected to the database, and it will be connected to the workload running it. You don't care if it's a VM, a container, a past database. We basically build one model across all of the different cloud environments that you can ask simple questions. It sounds to me almost like how plumbers would die. They would die like water, right? And so they would then pump the dyed water through a bunch of pipes. Like, well, where's the leak? You got to pump it through the pipes to get the leak a little bit. <laughs> Part of the complexity today is that it's so hard to answer because there's so many different ways to run. Like there's so many options. Yeah, so many options. There's, you need a tool that understands all of the options, can scan all of the different, like has different scanners and can build for you the simple answers. Like answering those questions is so complex because there is so many different ways to do one thing in the cloud. So either you are like the best expert in the world or you have a tool that really analyzes and can and tell you, hey, you know what? This is a database, and this is a database, and this VM is running a software that is actually a database. So the company is where it is today, but when you first started, was the decision immediately to try to check for all different types of vulnerabilities and checkpoints and security patches? Or was it like, hey, we can only focus on one thing at a time just to get this scaled up? Because the, the company is very young. The fact that it can change uh, or check for all these different vulnerabilities is pretty substantial. 
how did you think about going to markets? Like, hey, we're going to check for one type of vulnerability only to see if we can get through all this. Or how did you approach this? So I'll tell you, we started from a very basic question. It's still the question we are trying to answer until today, right? And, and again, I think what's astonishing, how is that no one answered that question before, but, <laughs> but it is like a basic question. And the question is, how do I know if I have a risky exposure? Maybe it's an exposed database. Maybe it's a, a vulnerability running on some exposed code that has some exposure to the internet, right? So that was the basic question. Why is that such an interesting question? Because before us, you had vulnerability scanning tools, but they didn't understand exposure. You had configuration scanning tools, but they didn't understand workloads. So like no one was able to put everything together. Like you had very a lot of legacy tools, very complex to deploy, and they, you couldn't also connect the dots. Our point was this. If you really want to, know, to do security and you want to work with your developers, you cannot give them 100,000 uh, tickets to solve. Yeah. You really need to understand what is critical to fix today, you know? Yeah. And for that, you need to build the context. So what we've done is basically, and again, it sounds trivial, but actually it's not because it was, you had to rethink how to do security. It's like, let's build one tool with one connector that can understand all of the different layers, right? And this is the game changer. And we wanted to do it from day one. We started from vulnerabilities, the classic vulnerabilities. Then we added identity analysis, permissions, because, you know, maybe it's not exposed to the internet, but it has access to an admin privileges, right? And that can take over your entire account. That's also risky. Right? So we added more and more analysis of the environment, data analysis, secrets analysis. We are adding more and more based on our threats analysis of how do attackers work. I want to walk back a little bit because, and I want to share some of your career with some of our audience because they got to get a framework of this. You know, you served as CTO of multiple companies, including Microsoft Cloud, Microsoft Israel R&D. So it's like Microsoft Cloud Security. So very technical person, obviously an expert in many, many things. How was this question brought to you? Like this idea, how do I know I have a risky exposure? Was it a question you were already trying to answer while serving as CTO? Like who brought this question to the table and said, hey, Ami, this is what I want to solve for. Was it your idea where you were looking for other people to solve with you? Or were, did someone bring this idea to you? Because certainly you must have felt that pain while at Microsoft, right? You must have been like, wait, I don't know what's exposed or not exposed. So the beauty of ideas is that they seem trivial after the fact. Yeah. But before the fact, they are not trivial, right? Right, right. I mean, we were the team in 2012. We were a founding team that started Adalon. We were also doing security for cloud, for cloud application, right? We were doing in Microsoft cloud security. We we're managing Azure security. So yeah, we have a lot of experience. We knew something is broken, right? Because if you talk with any security team today, not even those using WIS, in, de- in general, tell you, again, they don't know how to distill the problem. They tell you, yes, there's so many alerts. We don't understand what to do with them. We didn't build the environment. So we don't know exactly who owns it. So we knew there was a problem. We didn't know exactly how to position. To, and that's the magic of startups. Yeah. Once we started working with customers, and honestly, initially, even with, before having a product, we started even doing like going to environments of customers, right? We started with, and trying to basically doing together with them an assessment. Like, let's find together your critical risk manually, right? Right. Really trying to figure out. And then we understood, oh my God, like this is an exposed database and you didn't know about it. And they told us, you know, how can we know? Like this tool gives us 100,000 alerts, but it doesn't understand it's exposed database, right? Mm. So although it's a trivial question, the beauty of ideas and the beauty of startups is that, and I always say it's about the team. It's not about the idea because we knew we want to do something around cloud security, but we did really like, it's only when you actually go and you try to solve it with customers, 
you have the moment, you know? Is that, <laughs> oh my God, like, how did we not think about that, right? And although it sounds trivial, it's not. And before, before us, vulnerability scanning tools, it was like a completely different market, completely different uh, players yeah. than yeah. configuration scanning tools. Like, it's like no one actually connected the dots to say, hey, you know what? No, it's one problem. Scanning for vulnerability, understanding that this VM is exposed to the internet, it has to be together. It has to be tied up. It shouldn't be different tools. No one ever thought about it like this way. So you guys had the experience, you guys, the technical experience to pull something off. You had done this before. You're working at Microsoft. You're working with developers constantly and trying to answer this question. And it becomes this moment where you say, hey, we're actually asking the wrong question. This is the question we have to answer, which is how do I know I have a risky exposure? And you were able to then say, if I'm answering this question, we need to tool the product differently. All the ways the products were tooled in the past were not designed to answer this one question. Exactly. Because they were looking at siloed problems. We had like a virtual machine vulnerability scanner. You had a container security. You had cloud configuration scanner. But you didn't have a tool that tries to find critical risks. Yeah. And then I think on our journey, what happened was that unlike Adelon, which was our first startup, we went through the Microsoft school. And the Microsoft school taught us how to scale. And when we built Adelon, it was not the way we built Wiz. Wiz we built from day one more of in the Microsoft kind of thinking. Like yeah. every feature, we think about scale from day one, <laughs> which is something that usually startups never think about. Yeah, most startups follow MVP, minimum viable product principles, which of course does not think about scale because scale has more constraints thought of it. You're saying, hey, listen, when we came approach this, we, we thought of it not in MVP mode, but scale mode. How does this become huge? No, it's still MVP mode. That's still MVP. It's a new approach. Let me explain something. If you don't think about scale, in one year of building a startup, you can build 10 years of technical debt, 10 years, okay? Wow. When you build features without thinking about scale, the amount of technical debt, right? And we can probably together build like a math equation. But my point is this. What we understood is that you should not put a feature that cannot scale. This is part of MVP design. It's not, if gotcha. you don't think about scale, it's actually you're creating a technical debt. You will have to pay in six months. And, and if you want to grow like this, you won't be able to grow like this because you, you've created too much technical debt. So it's a combination of both. It's not only MVP plus scale. Honestly, we learned it in Microsoft. Like Microsoft developers always ask you, before you build the feature, does it scale? This is an important question because especially startups like us, we're starting from Fortune 500 companies. We're, we're working with, the, uh, with Salesforce, right? Like you can't, you can't work with the scale of Salesforce if you didn't think about it from day one, yeah. right? You can't sell to big enterprises if you didn't think about it from day one. You have to design for scale if you're a B2B that aims to sell for big companies. You design to scale as part of the MVP. That's awesome. You're a developer. You work with developers. You were developing this application for developers. So when you were ready to show the product to somebody, how quickly before people like your peers were like, hey, Ami, you're onto something. This, this works. How quickly did that happen? Okay. So that's the beauty of a startup. We initially, our pitch was a bit different. Yeah. And we got like, okay, responses. When we shifted the pitch to speak not only about like, initially we spoke also about CICD and like it was a bit broader, right? Like dev pipelines and all of that. We shifted to speak about, we find the critical risks in the cloud, boom. Like 
we, we were able to get customers that want to get pilots in, in weeks. And because we have, like, we've built it in scale, we had a first customers within two, three months, right? Like first customers signing within like six months of even starting the company. It's like, it's completely crazy. And that's what we also <laughs> like right now, in terms of like the fastest growing company, it is because from day one, we started building to scale. So then that means right out the gate also, you're you're taking on customers within, like you said, two to three months of turning the lights on. You're taking on customers, but that means you were also it was also working right out the gate because of course, marketing can't solve a bad product. <laughs> our competitor told our first customer, eh, they, they won't be able to scale with you, right? Yeah. And we were able to scale with them on the first pilot and it's a huge company, right? Yeah. And this is the power of the cloud. And again, this is something I, I want to say to every startup. In the cloud, you don't have the reason not to bid for scale, right? The, the cloud allows you to, do, to do build features that can scale, right? But you just, you just need to make sure you don't build features that don't scale. Don't say, oh, you know, for each tenant, we'll create a new database. No, that doesn't scale for thousands <laughs> of tenants. Yeah. But all startups do it initially, and it's a mistake. So you overcame some FUD right out the gate. Where are you guys today? It's like, you know, obviously the company is growing extremely fast. I'm sure there are CIOs. There's you know, like with everything, there's the total addressable market is unclear because the cloud market's unclear. By the way, we've had some of the um, sales reps of AWS, as well as GCP, Microsoft on our shows, and they talk about how they think less than 20% of the world's workloads are actually in the cloud right now. So the cloud is going to more than quadruple yeah. in the next 10 years. They said in the next 10 years, easily, it's going to more than quadruple. That's the way people are coming. Not to mention all the new applications people are developing, right? So this, this is not going to stop. Exactly. Give us an idea. If there's a CIO or CTO on the fence or C, you know, on the fence right now, who's like, eh, I don't know if I need this right now. Maybe they're stuck. Their mind is stuck in the old way of thinking, hey, I need, you know, like I need a config vulnerability scanning tool. I need a, you know, network scanning tool. I need all these different scanning tools, right? And I'm going to build an amalgamation of alerts. And basically, because by the way, we used to have that. When we were developing software, we used to have that. And it would alert so much. And I remember looking at my CTO and saying to him, like, what are you going to do about all these alerts? Like, well, I get too many. I was like, well, what if one requires your attention? He goes, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, you're right. That's, that's how they approach it. Like, there's too many false positives. What would you say to like reframe their thought? If you're thinking in a traditional way, because you've not seen a tool like this, how would you talk to them and say, hey, beyond the technical, like, this is why you need to change the way you're thinking about this problem. I start from, I would say, the said fact, okay? For, for CISOs, for security teams. The said fact is that they don't control anymore. The developers control what's happening. <laughs> That's the fact. If you don't find a tool and an approach that really shows that you understand, that shows the critical risks that they have to fix and not give them like tens of thousands of things to fix, you, you basically become, in, a, in many ways, a person, a team that is not really helping them become more secure, mm. right? In order for the company to become more secure, you need to have ways, you need to have tools. And by the way, it's also processes and also knowledge to pinpoint the developers on what they really have to fix. There's just no other way. If you tell them, fix all vulnerabilities, fix all of your misconfigurations, fix all of these issues, they will never actually do it. Yeah. And then it's like the jack of all trades. <laughs> if you give them too much, they will not actually do the important things. They will miss them. I like that. I mean, the way in the way, like you said, that's the sad fact. You don't own development anymore. So you're, you're, you're in charge of protecting it, but you don't own it. So you need a tool that meets people with what they're actually doing. Exactly. And I truly believe, and again, it doesn't have to be specifically with, but a new approach, like this is like 
honestly, the best return on investment you can have if you have a cloud environment, just because it's like, and I tell companies, you know, just deploy it and see what you get, right? If you wouldn't fi- find like really critical things to fix, that I would be very, very surprised. <laughs> that is awesome. Ami, dude, one of the things I want to say and, and say thank you is the passion with which you talk is very clear. Like this is like a super passion of yours. Was it always a passion? Like this element of security, network security, cloud security, was this always a passion of yours? You definitely seem very fired up at the solution, what you guys are developing, everything that's going on. So I'll tell you, I, I've built a lot of security tools also within Microsoft and of course in Adalong. And I'll be very honest, a lot of security tools, the problem with them is that security is not productivity, right? It's like, it's, a, it's more of a, you have to manage risk and you give alerts. And it's like, you never feel at least like personally, that I know I'm doing a good job. You know, you never know, right? Because yeah. Wiz is different. Like Wiz, I really believe, like I, I really feel good about it because we are really giving you a, a good communication with your developers. Like we are showing you things you have to fix and you're, we are really making you better. It's so much different than chasing anomaly detections. Like it's, it's actually, <laughs> I'm showing you things you have to fix. I'm helping you communicate with the developers and helping you push and, 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 and transform to the new world of cloud. I think the passion comes from like really feeling this is something good. No, that is awesome. When you can actually see people's light, eyes light up, like you're making my life easier, that's good. I worked at a software startup, by the way, that was like on the infrastructure side and nobody was happy. And not because we didn't do a good job, but we were like more like pain relief and mild pain relief, you know, setting up SDNs, uh, networks on demand. Like they were just like, okay, it set it up. But they weren't like happy because then that was, like you said, it wasn't like a, they didn't get like the pat on the back kind of thing that you, you're talking yeah, about. Like. The, the customer love, when you have customer love, like there's nothing more great than this, you know, like when you feel you're actually doing, like really helping them, you know, it, that's, and that's rare in security. It's rare, honestly, it's, it's hard. You know, when you have a firewall, you don't feel like, Hey, it's a, such a great product. Here is different. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of all the products that we, as people commonly have that we probably don't get too hyped about. Uh, probably life insurance. I, I put life insurance as number one. Like you have life, <laughs> you don't get psyched that you have life. You have the best life insurance. Like no one's like, I have life insurance. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh, I mean, it was a lot of fun having you on the show. I want to say thank you for sharing, you know, what you've been doing at Wiz, how fast it's growing. I love the way you explain it to our audience, which as you said, simple when you look at it in hindsight, but before you've asked or answered the question, it's super unclear. And the idea that as a tech leader or innovator, you have to actually rephrase how you approach problems entirely. Like you almost have to start over. Like whatever you think you know, change the question. Whatever you think you know is the old way things are done. You actually have to do something different. I love that thought process. But before you go, it is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by the Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. And Ami, this is where we ask you questions outside of the world of work so that our audience could get to know you better. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So you're a developer by trade. Have you ever made something just for yourself? And what was it? (laughs) Yeah. So I'm a developer. And by the way, CTOs are always like, uh, you know, am I a developer? Am I still a developer? You know, like (laughs) I keep asking myself. So what I'm building at home is more like a smart home kind of uh, complete tool of a basically controlling everything in the house with the doors and the windows and the cameras. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. All right. So you're a big IOT guy. What is your favorite IOT device? Honestly, I found like some markets and some startups, you say, how did it not catch? But you know, like the, 
I would say the most basic idea, taking a, a switch, an electricity switch, right? Changing it with a smart switch, you know? Not large infrastructure to have a smart home, just taking a, a simple switch and, and putting a smart switch that I can now communicate with any switch in my home, like from remote. It's such a simple idea. There's so many startups, but it's so hard because you need people to deploy it at homes. So I see like, because I'm doing software, I'm saying, wow, that's like such hard startups to do. So much groundwork you have to cover. And that's why it's very hard. And I have it across my home, but I'm also seeing that how hard it is for them to grow. Listen, we had uh, the Ring CTO, Ring cameras, security cameras. And he taught in like the first versions, he says like they didn't sell well because Nobody wanted to drill the thing into the door. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not a DIY guy. Like you just said, the problem with IoT hardware startups is it usually has, you have to install it a little bit, right? And so they talked about how they really had to answer the question, how do we make this easier to add to your door versus like replace wiring and stuff like that? These are problems I'm so happy I don't have to solve in the, in ways, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, people's behavior is notoriously hard to solve for. Don't ask people what they want to do. Watch what they actually do. Like I always joke yeah. with the examples of restaurants, right? People always say they don't like specific restaurants. I'll name McDonald's. Like I've never met someone who says they love <laughs> McDonald's. Yet every time I drive by McDonald's, the line is crazy out the door. So someone loves it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you're a tinkerer by trade. You're building your own IoT home. That sounds pretty cool. What else do you like to do for fun? So I like traveling, hiking. So now I have three kids. So the trekking became a bit more, uh, like backpacking is a, a bit harder, but we're still trying to accomplish multi-day hikes. We had a long uh, three months travel to Japan. Oh, that's awesome. And we actually got to the newspaper. They were so amazed to see a, a family with babies traveling in a mountain that we actually got to the West Japan newspaper. That is awesome. So now I got to ask, what ages are your children? I have three kids myself. Uh, mine, are, mine are currently aged 13, uh, nine, and six. So they're all three years apart. The other two are about to age <laughs> up. But 13, nine, and six. How about yourself? How old are your children? Because you just said babies. This sounds really hard. <laughs> yeah, seven, four, and one. Okay, so you were backpacking with a one-year-old. Yeah. So what part of Japan were you in? Because I know parts of Japan are extremely cold. Like some of them have like, uh, you know, record snowiest places on earth. Of course, some are warmer climates. We were there for three months, right? So we basically were across the entire Japan. <laughs> <laughs> this specifically was in the in West Japan, in the south southwest. Okay. So just so you understand, like because we don't understand Japanese at all, <laughs> we basically got to this um, a special uh, volcano that was closed for two years and it was open in the day that we came there. <laughs> And we didn't know that, like accidentally we came there. We didn't know why there were so many people, so much excitement. And like in the hike, someone just came and took pictures of us. That's the beauty of uh, not understanding Japanese. Uh, sometimes you actually get to uh, very interesting uh, uh, places. Oh yeah, had you understood Japanese, you'd be like, let's not go there because it's gonna be closed. But then you didn't have any clue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you're backpacking the entire time. Were you working as well? No, so it was a, it was in my time in Microsoft. Oh, okay. And there is a something amazing in Microsoft. You get like three months when there is a new baby. Usually, people stay at home. We took it as a as a trip to Japan. Dude, that is awesome. Hey, listen, man, you're my hero because uh, I've had obviously I've had babies. Um, I don't see myself backpacking with them. So you, <laughs> you, your your whole family, very patient people. <laughs> it's a I, I recommend. You don't have to stay at home with a small yeah. baby. Why not travel? That's true. I, I have noticed when I was a dad to, to young babies, 
I always thought their behavior was better outside. Like if you had them outside, they were less likely to be fussy. Yeah, and they also, you know, they sleep, they eat, they sleep, they eat. It's very, it's very good for uh, for hiking, right? <laughs> it's fine. You you walk for three hours and then you stop. It's it works well. So what's the uh, what's the next big adventure you have planned? It sounds like you're an adventurer. You sense hiking, backpacking. You toured Japan, which of course you've already said you didn't speak the language. You were willing to do that with young babies. What's the next big adventure for you? You think? So since we're in Wiz now, I don't have time for a long uh, service, <laughs> <laughs> but we do have an interesting adventure coming. We're planning to basically relocate to New York uh, for some time with the kids, with the family. I hope they'll actually learn English. So it's going to be a different kind of adventure, <laughs> something that works within the, you know, the startup uh, requirement. Yeah. Also an adventure for the family as well. Oh, wow. So you're moving to New York City, I, I'm assuming, to build up Wiz North America. Yeah. We already have a lot of, uh, let's say, uh, centers around the, the U.S., but I'm hoping to like make the New York office like a, a major headquarters and also get to see our employees, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, when you get here, we'll have to send you a big welcome bouquet. Sounds like you're already accustomed to venture, so... It's going to be a lot different one, you know, a lot less space than the outdoors of Japan, but uh, I'm sure you'll get along just great. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. I'm, I'm actually, let's see how, how we, we're not accustomed to the winter. In Israel, we don't have that. How cold does it get in the winter in, in Israel? Not cold. It doesn't get cold <laughs> ever? Just, I have no idea. No, it's not cold at all. So we're not used to cold at all. You're not going to like it. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you. I've never met someone from a warm climate that was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> if it's snowing, it'll make you feel like you're in a winter wonderland. Well, listen, get yourself some nice jackets. Sounds like you're about to need them. <laughs> yeah. Ami, thanks for joining us today on IT Visionaries. This is a lot of fun hearing your perspective on cloud security. I love what you're doing and how you approach the problem. I love your, the thought process behind how you even came up with the idea more than anything else, which is just fundamentally taking a problem and turning it upside down and saying, we're asking the wrong question. What's the real question we're asking? And I think that's a good exercise anyone should embark on. I agree. It was really great to be here today. And thank you so much for inviting me. 